You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. Today we are talking about episode 4 of HBO, Que Viene El Coco. I probably don't sound right, this is Elizabeth. <laughs> that was a good try to <laughs> Mitch and Steven are unfortunately not with us today because they both have to work. So, Boo. John is with us. Hey. And Jessica's with us. Hey. And they have left us all here without any tech support. So, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> so, to start us off, John, overall, how did you feel about this episode? I really liked the introduction to the mythology. The, okay. the folklore. Mm. Uh, is it folklore you're familiar with? Uh, sort of. You get variations of that growing up. But yeah, the, the Coco is something I've definitely mm-hmm. heard in my childhood. And um, the introduction to the idea of demons now is interesting as well. Awesome. Jessica, how would you feel about it? Oh, the same as John, the introduction of folklore that I was more... Like, yeah, I know that folklore pretty well, but especially Baba Yaga. I'm like, ooh, yeah, Baba Yaga, Coco, Boogeyman. Like, I yeah. got it. I'm, I'm definitely feeders. Yeah, I'm definitely with you guys. Although it was very frustrating leading up to the end as I think we were all putting it together much faster than the characters were putting it together yeah. in the show. Um, but before we get into it, Geek's Watch. Yeah. Or, yeah, our week's Geek's Watch. So... John, what is your Geek's Watch this week? I, I finally sat down and watched something I've been wanting to watch since it came out. Mm. Uh, Scarlett Johansson movie, Under the Skin. Okay. Uh, I think it was revealed recently that they're planning to make it a TV show now, I want to mm. say. Um, I might have seen that somewhere online and I was like, oh, well, now would be a good chance to finally catch up on that. And it's kind of famous when it first came out, I want to say in 2000. 14 or 15 because okay. it had a lot of Scarlett Johansson nudity in it. Oh. That's the one. I think I remember yes. that now. Um, okay. I was going to say, I was like, I did not remember this. <laughs> it's not tracking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a small part of the movie overall and it's such a weird movie. Uh, I don't know how to describe it because it doesn't give you a story per se. It's very strange, but... The themes do kind of align a lot with the show that we're watching right now. As okay. far as uh, it's it's kind of from like the point of view of the bad guy, if you want to put it that way. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Definitely right. some skin changing in a very literal sense in this one. All right. 
right. And where can people find this? That was on Netflix. Okay. So, okay. Under the Skin, Scarlett Johansson on Netflix. Yep, yep. Awesome. Jessica, what's your week's watch? Uh, my week's watch is called Pick of the Litter. It's a show on Disney Plus that follows um, blind dogs in training. So guide okay. dogs. Um so it, it shows them, like, first it starts with them with their foster family, and then you end up seeing them getting paired finally with a blind person that you've been introduced to throughout the series. It's just, it's short six-episode documentary series that's, it's just, if you love dogs, or even, it's just, like, it's so fascinating to see how they get the dogs to learn these behaviors, and they have to go through so many tests, and also, I, the, the, one of the most interesting aspects to guide dogs is, like, they have to know when to not listen to the blind okay. person and I, I feel like like it's just so amazing you can train that in a in a dog to be like uh no we can't go that way like no we can't go forward right now so yeah. um it's just a really cute little short documentary series and that's on disney plus awesome excellent so my week's watch is very boring i've been watching the impeachment trial because that's who i am as a person <laughs> so and it's been really interesting because the senate has such control over um what you get to see and where cameras are placed in the chambers. And so kind of seeing the dynamics of how that's all worked out has been rather interesting. And of course the relatively staged, but well, not staged, the known question that that chief justice Roberts refused to read for Rand Paul. um, It was basically, he was throwing out, trying to throw out the suspected name of the whistleblower One of those suspected, and so, and he had mentioned that he was going to do that, and so Chief Justice Roberts was like, "And no, I'm not going to read that." (laughs) So, whistleblowers have protection, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just kind of interesting to see how you know, because you get all the very form, the very formal back and forth uh, on the Senate floor in these kinds of you know in impeachment trials because they're very solemn and very. Um, respectful of the process itself. So you you get a lot of the mm-hmm. distinct formalities and all of Robert's rules and meetings, you yeah. know, all those meeting Robert's rules and then all of the court formalities. And it's just, so it's kind of interesting to see that play out. But that can obviously be seen on every news network and <laughs> C-SPAN, which is where I watch it because I don't like commentary. I like to just watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so let's go ahead and get into the episode this week. So we start out with um, Holly giving a update to Ralph. Well, we start out with pancakes. Well, true. We start out with pancakes. <laughs> the, the very the, awkward syrup line. Very awkward. Very Stephen King syrup line. That's right. Um, as part of the intro. Luckily, this intro was not nearly as long as last week's. Very shocking. That it went, <laughs> yeah. Went it, was, it was very... So did either of you catch it that she was the demon or whatever it is? Not initially. I know you, you said it. Yeah, I caught it. I was like... As soon as she did this, like, glint-off look while he was, like, chatting away about syrup or something, I was like, ooh, she evil. (laughs) I thought something later on uh, occurred to me when she wasn't being truthful about their encounter, and the flashback was showing that they got more intimate than she was letting on. Oh, yeah. And then there was, like, a trickle of blood coming down from his back. I was like, Hmm. That's a weird thing to leave out. Well, except it. Well, I, I get the impression that that wasn't her. That was the shapeshifter. That right. was the shapeshifter. So. Yeah. 
So, like I caught it at the pancakes. I was oh. like, that's the shapeshifter <laughs> or something, but she's something. But so we get the very awkward Stephen King dialogue of pancakes. And then Holly's updating Ralph about how, you know, she couldn't get into the unit and she sends him all this stuff. And she picks the weirdest times to call. Like she calls him at 3 a.m. like every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and But she says there's more than one way to skin a cat. And then she gets herself pepper sprayed. <laughs> Just so. Brutally pepper sprayed in the middle of the neighborhood, in the middle of the day. Yeah. Just no warning. So how did everybody feel about that conversation with the nurse when she's interviewing her as a PI, not as a reporter? And just kind of that whole very, it felt very stilted to me, a very stilted interaction. But what did you all think of it? I don't know why the nurse would have treated her any differently whether she was a PI or a reporter. She was like, why should I help you, you know, situation. But yeah, she, like, it, like her whole attitude changed afterwards. Yeah. And I was like, huh, well, that's a shift. Maybe like, well, I guess I pepper sprayed you, so maybe I should give you some of my time. But I think also she was starting to kind of realize, yeah, there was some confusing stuff. There's some, something's yeah. not sitting Yeah, I mean, right. that guy was her friend, a friend enough to send a postcard when he was on holiday hooking up with <laughs> hooking up random with ladies in random New York. lady yeah that's <laughs> is that a thing people do <laughs> but <laughs> well i mean the postcard sending or the hooking up with random people while the on postcard vacation? sending of just straight i've i met a girl like i got <laughs> i mean i don't know john you're currently our male representation yeah. would you send a female friend information that you had uh, hooked up with somebody on vacation on a postcard on a postcard. <laughs> I mean, those would be two separate things, I think. I wouldn't okay. have put it on the postcard. <laughs> um, and it depends how I felt about the lady person. Okay. Um, so chances are, if it was someone I liked, I would, because it'd be something kind of cute to have as a memento. Yeah. Um, but if I liked her, I also wouldn't reveal that I hooked up with someone else, because I feel like that would diminish my chances with her if I was working on it, you know? Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. I just, but, uh, it was the postcard sense. That's more yeah. like who sends postcards. Yeah. <laughs> Although we don't get to the postcards till this till later on, but we do find out that they found the DNA all over the place. We mm. find out that. Um, Make a side note. Nobody yeah. seems to have social media. Right. Well, that would be really simple no. to track people. Just by showing, like, if the daughters had a Instagram or well, MySpace or something. True. Then they would be totally just posting pictures of everywhere they went on vacation with their parents. Yeah. And uh, same with, you know, the guy. He probably would take a picture of his pancakes before pouring syrup all over them. And that would be one way to prove where he was at the time that it was posted. Or at the very least, he would have sent stuff about, you know, the Empire State Building or pictures of, you know, anything else you see in New York City. Or selfies or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, was the but, book was published in 2018, so I thought, well, maybe it's because the book doesn't have social media because it could be an older state, but it says it was published 2018. So I guess we just have to assume that see. in Stephen King's version of 2018, there's no such thing as Instagram or Facebook or any of the social media. Or at least I mean, is there social media and other Stephen King shows that take place when social media would be a thing? Um... 
none that come directly to mind right now. I think there might be some social media references in the new Carrie movie, but that's because it takes place in modern day high school. Yeah. But I don't remember because that movie was pretty bad. <laughs> um, Fair. So then we so we find out that there's Hofstetter, which is the name of the or the nurse who hanged himself in the last or slit his throat in the yeah. last episode. Um, there was DNA evidence, fingerprint evidence, all of that stuff. He was seen by this nurse friend at the hospital the day after the murders, but she mentions that he was very off because he's normally a chatty Kathy. And, and he wasn't supposed to be there. And he wasn't supposed to be there, but his mother says he was hundreds of miles away with her mm-hmm. all week, never left her side. The piece that I found interesting was the police apparently found the girl's underwear in his mother's house. It looked like it had been sent to her. I thought it was in an evidence box. Oh. Yeah, looked kind of like an evidence box. But so that's very different than Terry Maitland because there was no physical evidence in his house, Mm-mm. at least nothing that the show's told us about. So now I'm curious how the shapeshifter might have left the underwear in Hofstadter's mother's house. Anybody got any theories? Well, it could have been like they mentioned later on that the it's this creature is some kind of grief eater Mm -hmm. and this could have just meant to sow more discord within the family um which caused you know the one of the the, what's it his brother od'd yeah and the mother committed suicide by ramming herself into a telephone pole yes yeah so it could have been just to kind of help push her fair and i mean i guess we do find out that you know the shapeshifter has been visiting the younger maitland daughter so i guess Mm -hmm. You can get in and out of the he or it, it, whatever it is, yeah. Can get in and out of houses without being seen. That was just I found that interesting because there was no evidence tying Maitland to the mm-hmm. crime in his house, so it definitely changed things up as it progressed. Oh, we just maybe haven't found it yet. That may be, yeah. That may be. So then we flash to. Um, Mrs. Maitland, who is interviewing a personal tutor, yep. potential for the girls, and she goes full on PI detective, just with the with the references all being postmarked from Atlanta, even though they're supposedly from Florida and Georgia and Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out to be a reporter. She makes a comment that makes it sound like. More reporters have been there more frequently. Did anybody catch that? Yeah. Well, yeah. She said something like, "You're not the first one to try this route." So yeah. I mean, she's. <laughs> I think she's been having to deal. I think with that's this why she lot. picked one of the harder. Like nobody likes dividing fractions. Nobody remembers how to do that. She's like, "Divide these fractions. Show me how you know math." <laughs> Just, which, of course, like, I'm like, I'm like, I was. Both like incensed and like clever because like if I were a teacher, like an actual teacher, I would be mortally offended that somebody needed to test my credentials. Like, oh, yeah. what, what do you know? You're just a parent. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also like, yeah, but that's also a really good way to determine yeah. if they're actually a teacher. So, see, I would have called your bluff and just written down something. <laughs> yeah. there, you check it. See, yeah, <laughs> if see if you know it. Yeah. <laughs> 
But so, and then in that same scene, probably my my favorite scene from the episode was uh, Mrs. Maitland then goes out with Howie and mm-hmm. his Howard and his wife yep. to dinner, and you get this just her. To me, it is one of the more horrific scenes in the show since mm-hmm. obviously the original concept, but some gentleman tells her that she has such a nerve showing her face. Is he a gentleman? Like (laughs) some man, some man, (laughs) some man tells her, you know, I hope you didn't leave your kids home alone because somebody might want to even the score. Oh, which I, I mean, I don't know. That would have, uh, which we know happens with these things now. Yeah. uh, You have somebody that wants to get revenge on the, supposedly guilty party that's true yeah. it does play out that way as we as we progress into the third the first mm-hmm. however we want to call it um murder uh but then ralph steps in and escorts the gentleman out, or the man out of mm-hmm. the restaurant yeah very roughly and doesn't say anything to Howard or to Mrs. Maitland or he just does it and leaves. Leaves. Just, Uh, I got this, bye. (laughs) So then we find out where Holly goes, we flash back to Holly and she starts piecing things together and she ends up talking with a bartender. Well, she talks with the security guard for the parking lot. <laughs> the who, the ex-detective the ex- who is now a security guard at a mall, mini mall, and just... So... Hey, they had a genuine connection. I felt it. He's a prince. <laughs> he is such a prince. Stephen King... Oh, he's such a <laughs> typical freaking prince of a writer. Like, he may be a security guard, but he's just... That line, I can't get over. Yeah, I the, wrote it down. So, well, speaking of that line, uh, one thing that I think that they messed up with in the script is, is he says, "Oh, that would have been two years ago when I was still on the force." Mm-hmm. I think they meant to say two months. Really? Because the Hofstetter murder has to have occurred in March mm-hmm. when Maitland got scratched. Maitland's murder occurs in May yeah. of that same year. And Maitland dies shortly thereafter because he dies just before his first arraignment hearing. Yeah. So it couldn't have been two years ago. Wait, did he say he worked on that case, though? No, he, say, he said it would have been... Oh, no, that would, he, what he says, the line he says is, oh, that would have been two years ago when I was still on the force. Oh, that's... Oh, I didn't miss that. I took yeah, that, that as weird. he would have had more access to information two years ago when he was still in the force. Not that uh, oh, maybe. it happened two years ago. That could be what I meant. That could be. I just, I was like, two years ago, that doesn't make any sense. But then thinking about it, I'm like, well, maybe it was just a slip where it was supposed to be two months or two weeks and not, I mean, two months because that would have been March. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, he then says this line to her, Jessica, you said you wrote it down. Yeah, I have uh, the strength of 10 because my heart is pure or something along the line. And I'm just like, and Holly falls for it. <laughs> that, that was my, not the line, because like, yeah, they can do those lines. But the fact that Holly was like, <laughs> I, and I was like, no, like I would have been like, you. <laughs> 
See, but I thought it was funny because he says something at the beginning that doesn't land with her. And she was like, why does everybody always have to try to say jokes? Yes. And clearly just wasn't impressed. But he says that and she chuckles. So I was like, like, wow, you cornball. (laughs) But it it did something, you know? Yeah. I guess. Well, I personally like the way she handled because he he offers to do her the favor if she agrees to go to dinner with him. And she goes, excuse me? Huh? Like she, she, no, no. She doesn't attack him for it. She's just like, mm, no. <laughs> That's not how this works. Explain thyself. <laughs> anyway, so he, they do go to dinner, and mm-hmm. he gives her. He finds out a whole bunch of information. He's the one we hear about the underwear from, mm-hmm. um, and what else did we learn from that? I. My brain is blanking because um, he talks about the DNA evidence. He talks about the fingerprints, the stuff all over him. He tells her that people put him way far away at his mother's and people also put him at the hospital and they tell him mm-hmm. and they tell her why they were interviewing Peter Maitland because they were trying to find his DNA mm-hmm. in those rooms and they found it in Maitland's room they found the dna in maitland's room so that's how this whole ball gets rolling yeah well i think he he also talked about the other deaths outside of the children's death too which was where i figured out grief eater before the show revealed it i was really mad they revealed it in the same episode (laughs) because as soon as he said that and i realized like who was dying i was like it's the people that can't handle it that die afterwards because I was thinking I was like because they're talking about how people on both sides in both of the murder cases had either like gone crazy and tried to kill somebody or killed themselves yeah and but I realized like the Maitlands haven't and that's Mm -hmm. where I connected I was like well the Maitlands never lost faith yeah or not not like faith faith not like Catholic faith although you can see that Maria I think is still alive because of her faith yeah I think it's that inner sort of faith that they had in Maitland that they didn't get the reaction that the other families got. Whereas if you lost faith in the situation, if you let yourself get absorbed by darkness or dark thoughts, it sort of exemplified your dark thoughts Yeah, and it either killed you or if it was rage that you were feeling, then it made you kill somebody else that mm-hmm. would eventually lead to your own death. And that's how I was like, Oh, it's like, it's like grief eaters. And I'm so glad you were watching it with me when I said it. Cause they explained it later on. And I was like, dang, <laughs> but so she then also interviews Peter Maitland. She, the nurse sneaks her into Peter's room who, and he's very clearly suffering from late stage dementia, late stage Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. some member of that family of, mm-hmm. of illnesses. And he, it's a very weird exchange. She doesn't, does it, he's he's not quite tracking, but then all of a sudden you get this switch. Oh, it's just and he, about how it happens. So. Yeah, <laughs> and he looks at her and he goes, "You know, he, it wasn't him." Mm-hmm. And Holly asks, "Wasn't who?" And he says, "You know." Yep, that's about it. <laughs> and that's it. And that's the full exchange. But Holly, who did not seem to have been piecing it together initially. Seems to almost switch gears at that point. I think that's when she went from 
possibly trying to find a normal answer to it to realizing it might be a supernatural answer she's looking for. Yeah. Not necessarily that she didn't already believe in the supernatural, but just more like now she knows which direction to go in. Yeah. That this is not your average case. Then we have this very interesting, complete lack of backstory conversation she has with a bartender where she's going over her notes. Because if you need any information, if you need someone to talk to, talk to a bartender because they're so open-minded of people. Yeah. That's just Stephen King writing. It's, so, it's just bartenders are so open-minded, they'll always be able to give you an answer. But so <laughs> the bartender proposes the concept of it as a virus. Mm. Which she like. talks about, you know, well, if it is a, you know, and Holly makes the comment, murder isn't a virus. <laughs> like, it could be. But if it is, the bartender says, then the question is, who did the first guy catch it from? Yeah. You have to start going back up the line. So Holly does some digging, and that's when we learn about New York and this girl, and she discovers Maria. Mm hmm who's been accused of and is, a, is on trial for the brutal murder of a little boy who she claims she's never met, doesn't know, absolutely nothing. Was with her cousin in that Newark. Day in Newark and just... <laughs> Far away. Same thing as the other two. So, but as Holly points out, there's a difference. Maria is alive. Mm-hmm. Maitland's dead, Hofstetter's dead, but Maria, Maria is alive. So she convinces Ralph and Howard to let her go to New York. And she convinces Maria's attorney to let her interview her. Mm -hmm. So she gets to New York. She goes to Rikers Island. And she has her conversation with Maria. So Maria kind of tells us that, you know, she she doesn't know anything. She's never met this boy. But she's here. She's at Rikers Island because God wills it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what's keeping her alive. Yes. That's well, that say. and having grown up with five brothers, three uncles, and a father who weren't angels. Yeah. Which definitely implies all sorts of awful, terrible things, but... I think it was underground, like, fighting circles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, with how her uncle... Was it her uncle and father that were later on? Yes. The yeah. ones drinking. Yeah. I didn't see them as, like, evil, evil guys, but, like... Yeah. Like, some would described but i was like oh they're just kind of on the wrong side of the track kind of guy yeah that conversation was a little infuriating though because it ends right when she's basically is saying i know who it is but i can't say because like and then like that's it yeah and i was like well who and i was like i was probably gonna say like it's the devil or something but well and that's what we get that's what we get with the final (laughs) conversation where Holly is talking with um, some woman. I, and she what's was, her connection? She was behind. She was in the table behind yeah. talking to another inmate. They were eavesdropping. They, she they were was just eavesdropping, eavesdropping. And I'm guessing like when they were leaving, she was like, I got some information for you. Well, she dropped, she dropped that note, but I could not figure out why on earth she was eavesdropping, paying attention to this conversation like... Why on earth are you getting involved? Like, if you're visiting somebody else in prison, like, why are you getting involved with any other prisoners' issues? Uh, like, it's, it's, it's kind of a. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it this. Um, in Hispanic culture, mm-hmm. 
people are nosy as hell. <laughs> fair <laughs> right. enough. So, fair enough. So this could have been just like, uh, you know, true to the stereotype. You know, that's just can't help but listen to other people's gossip of what's going on. I was like, oh, you know, I have something I can chime into that. Because okay. um, people okay. just like to exchange information like that. Hmm. I don't know. But she slips Holly this note. We never see what's on the note, but the next scene is Holly is sitting in her kitchen eating a piece of cake and drinking coffee. And they are discussing, you know, all those horror stories that parents apparently tell children. <laughs> and including this lullaby about the Gonna devil coming eat to eat you. And I'm like, that's a good way to give your child nightmares, but <laughs> that's 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 pretty much all lullabies, so <laughs> I mean these are pretty prevalent in third world countries too. Yeah. I mean that's fair. I mean like so I how I grew do you up get with... children to behave without fear? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I was told the fear stories, they just were not told to me as sung to me as lullabies just before I went to sleep. They were told to me when I was misbehaving like mid afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so sleep tight, you can go any minute now. Yeah. Yeah. But and so discuss the fact that you know holly believes in god um jessica you pointed out because we get a flashback scene for holly where she's in an mri machine oh and she sees her nana i was like oh she sees dead people um that whole scene gave me very much a, did either of you watch the movie constantine have you guys seen that movie yes. i assume it's, it's been a long while since i watched it that scene gave me very that scene and then the very last scene And then the very last scene in which Holly like dips under the water into the bathtub gave uh, me a very con- like when he's going in and dealing with demons and stuff like that. I got the very same vibe off of that. Okay. Um, as this episode. Um, but so while Holly is having this conversation about the grief eater and um, all of you know the old country's stories about demons and devils mm-hmm. ralph is meeting with the kid who had stolen the van originally in yeah. ohio merlin and then left the van yes and he admits that he lied the first time and that he does remember the van he remembers where he left it and he remembers the guy who picked it up the boogie man Yes. The melty face man, I guess. The melty face man. And he can't describe him, so Ralph has him draw him. And, I mean, the the kid says he's a bad artist, but not that bad. Like, I I got melty face man. I got, I I could be. Yeah. Why wouldn't you tell us? Uh, because I was scared of him. Why were you scared of him? Oh, you just, you just look at him and you're scared. Like, that's just about it. Like, I, I, he didn't need to threaten me. I didn't need to do anything. Just, Stand there and stare. It's all he needs to do. And be like, okay, you you take the van. <laughs> all <Peace>. yours. <laughs> um, but clearly, I couldn't quite figure out what their faces were saying when they were sh- being shown this image of the melty face man. Like, I couldn't tell if they believed him, didn't believe him, thought he just really was that bad at drawing. I thought Ralph had the look of, like, this is useless. Oh, or maybe Ralph had the look of, like... Melty face. 
Yeah. Almost but, like I don't know what to do with this. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's that's gonna be it. But so, how does everybody feel we're at with this show now that we we've come to through episode yeah. four? So we're just about halfway there. I think. I think there's. Is there going to be 10 or 12 I think episodes? It's eight, isn't it? Eight. eight. Yeah. So we are, so ha- we are we're, halfway. We're at the halfway point. How do we feel? Are we. It's, it's going more occult, so I'm happy. Um, oh, another thing we didn't mention was the current cop that has the rash on the back of his neck. Oh, yes. He seems to be feeding something in the forest and deer. And all it. I could think of was Voldemort and the <laughs> eating unicorns. <laughs> That's fair. Well, and we so to go down that line because we also didn't talk about the fact I completely skipped over. Um, so my apologies to everybody listening. There's the scene where Ralph starts going back through the videos once Holly figures out that mm-hmm. there is a connection and that you know the scratching is key. Yeah, she starts going back up the chain. He starts going down Forward, the chain, yep. um, and so he rewatches. The surveillance videos and rewatches the surveillance videos and rewatches the surveillance videos for this montage of forever. Mm-hmm. And then he sees that Terry scratched the strip club owner. And so he goes to have a quote unquote friendly chat with the strip club owner, in which we get absolutely nothing. How did ever. <laughs> I mean, that scene was like what? Like a minute long, maybe, yeah. of that scene? Like such a huge. Oh God, he got scratched, and it's like minute long of, I don't remember, whatever. Um, bye. Um, I already told you everything. Bye. But he does look at his wrist, so. Well, so here's my question: Do you think that the person, the the person that Ralph is talking to in the strip club, is the strip club owner, or is it the shapeshifter? or the grief eater, or whatever it is? I'm gonna say since the guy seems to be actively. I, um, since the cop seems to be actively feeding the shapeshifter, I'm sure he is his actual self Okay. currently, but maybe like part of the virus aspect of it or, or whatever, maybe you just don't quite remember or don't quite believe that something is gonna happen to you or, you know, getting scratched by whoever, like who cares if he scratched me kind of thing. Like, yeah. Like what? Like, I mean, with the orderly and Maitland, you know, they they fell together. Of course, you got scratched. Like, why would you even question question getting a scratch from somebody? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, okay, John, what do you think? Do you think it's the strip club owner, or do you think it's the shapeshifter? I think it's the strip club owner, but I think he was trying to establish a baseline for it. Okay, because I think he might have picked up on the clue of like, you know, when the orderly was in the. Uh, was he an orderly or was he a nurse? He's a nurse. He's a nurse, yeah. When the nurse was in the uh, hospital and the other lady reported that he wasn't himself. Yeah. Um, with this one, you know, there was obvious recognition for him. And I was like, oh, great. Like, what do you want again? You know, this time or whatever. And I think it wasn't, it didn't lead to nothing. He definitely got something out of that interchange. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Mm. So you think we're going to like have Ralph keep coming back to the strip club owner every couple days just to kind of see if there's a change? Yes, or to keep tabs on him if he sees him outside of the environment, just to kind of stay with that same, um, you know, like, hey, 
um, remember this conversation or, you know, kind of try to bring up something to make sure it's still the same person. Something's going to give them away. Got it. Oh, oh, that makes sense. And so you think that the other cop is feeding the it. I, I think so. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. Because we've got him buying all of these supplies to like set up a house mm-hmm. in the forest. Well, I'm more thinking of the amount of time that's between the killings. Because okay. like, what, or at least the amount of time that's in between getting the scratch and then the killing, I would say. Okay. There seems to be like months of time. So it seems like he probably needs to gather energy in order to do this shift, in order to do everything that he needs to do in order to kill the children as this other person. So I would say he's probably gathering his strength and that's why he uses the cop to be able to gather his strength, maybe. And I'm wondering if he's done this before to someone else within the situation. Fair enough, yeah. But so did... Do you think there was somebody else who was feeding him before Terry Maitland died? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And who would that be? Do we have any clues? Because if, if, if the grief eater, shapeshifter, whatever we're going to call it, needs time and needs somebody to feed him during that time and infects them, because clearly it's a different infection than the scratch, because we've got this rash going. Mm-hmm. So that must mean that there was somebody in Ohio feeding him. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Or maybe he's weaker this time now or yeah. something. But Well, because the timeline's definitely changed because the New York murder we discover f- occurred on February 19th. Mm-hmm. The Ohio murder d- occurred March 6th. And then the Georgia murder didn't occur till May. Yeah. So we definitely have some very, very different different times, but, and it's clearly been at least a few months because the girls are back in school. So it would be the fall. Yeah. Assuming Stephen King sticks to a normal school schedule. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What's it like up in Maine? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think they still do like, you know, August, September through June. I'm pretty sure, maybe not, Um, but so, and clearly the cop isn't himself anymore because he's, you know, he stares at the screen for, you know, 10, 15 minutes and doesn't register anything while there's all this commotion about the female detective's christening party for her son, Mm -hmm. and we get that whole exchange, so he's clearly not himself, but he's also not the grief eater shapeshifter. Yeah. I don't feel like. No. So there's all of that. Is there anything else we missed? Anything else in anybody's notes? No. I think I got that the line makes a mother proud was repeated a lot in this episode. Right. Makes a mother proud just said the same every single time. And I'm like, it's such a. Interesting line. (laughs) Yeah, she was very bitter. Yeah. So, well, and, you know, it's become clear that even in New York, because Maria's father and uncle get shot Mm -hmm. by the grandfather of the little boy that died. Yeah. I do kind of like, like, outside of story-wise, I do like how this is filmed. Mm -hmm. I like the music of it, but I definitely like how that first, when you see the 
father and uncle just flirting with that waitress in the first thing. Like you have no idea what the connection is when you first meet him. You're just like, here's some guys in a bar flirting with a waitress. And then I like how later on, this is the reason why you're seeing these people now, as yeah. opposed to getting the scene all flat out. Makes they sense. cut it up in between. So you, it adds kind of sort of a confusion. And, and then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, which I think I thought the same thing when they introduced the, the guy of the son, the family member of the boy she supposedly killed. They just show his face. Yeah. And you're like, who, who the crap is that? Like, <laughs> who is this? And then he walks away and fades in the distance. And then you show him driving and you're just like, who is this guy? And what is like, going on? And it all comes together. And I was like, I do kind of like how it's, how it's, how it is filmed. The time jumps of it, which it's like, they're done well. Whereas other Oops. things I don't really like time jumps in, but this one I'm like, okay, okay I like it's it. It's got a very David Lynch style to it. Okay. Okay. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's, uh, well, movies like Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, those things just, they jump around a lot and they okay. introduce characters and it's, they're, you have to see them with intent because they are hard on the brain. Okay. Makes but sense. But they're similar to this. I like it. All right. Mm. Okay. That makes more sense. So, predictions for the next episode. Any predictions going on? What do you think we're going to see? Holly is going to be like, hey, it's supernatural. And Rolf is going to be like, uh, no. (laughs) What are you talking about? I can't. I can't put away supernatural. I can't do anything with it. I can't put the devil on trial. Yeah. Although you actually can. (laughs) Like a representative or something? Well, actually, it was tried. What? um, About, I think it was 10, 15 years ago. What? Um, somebody tried to, somebody who was convicted of a very heinous crime, um, I think he was convicted for murder, attempted to sue the devil in a class action lawsuit and put the devil on trial for causing him to commit the murder. The court struck it down because... There are three pieces that you have to have for a class action lawsuit. Mm-hmm. One, you have to have an easily identifiable class. Okay. That's that's fairly easy in this situation. Anybody who's, you know, claims that they've been... The person has to be a member of that class, the showman claimed to be. And the third one is, is the person has to be a good representation of any other individual member of the class. So the court said, we can't guarantee that you are a good representative of the entirety of the class. So that's where they struck it down. Um, They said that that could work. The other issue was that they brought up was that you can't really serve the devil. You can't, like, (laughs) give him service. Walk to the gates of the underworld. Oh, where is the underworld gates? Um, Somewhere in Greece. But yeah, no, (laughs) people have actually attempted to put the devil on trial. Like, that's that's been a thing. Um, Okay. It doesn't go very far. I saw that for God on Ally McBeal once. Yeah. Um, Put God on trial. But they put the church as a representative of God. Okay. Yeah, it was was weird. I mean, that's a little easier. There's not really any Mm -mm. overarching... I represent the devil here on earth. Um, at least I mean, nobody's willing to admit to it. Would there be a devil's advocate, though? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, so, Holly's going to, Jessica, you think Holly's going to say it's supernatural and Ralph's going to be like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't work for me. John, what about you? What do you think we're going to see? 
Um, I want to see Holly just go full hog on the whole supernatural kick and appear like the next time we see her, she's going to look like Van Helsing with like (laughs) steaks and holy water and silver and everything. Mm, Okay. Um, And I want to see that. I want her to just commit to this being something supernatural and everybody, of course, thinking she's crazy. Um, Well. Until she's right. Yeah. Until she's yeah. right. And then see how this whole thing plays out, how, how you attack something yeah. that's supernatural, or what I'm assuming is actually uh, a real phenomenon that has just been attributed to superstition, because that's the only way that it was known to be explained, and to find out that it's actually something from, um, let's not say Directly from the physical world, but has roots in reality. Yeah. So more like a virus. Um, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like an episode of the X Files that this reminds me a lot of. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, where um, I think it was called Tombs. This guy who would essentially go to sleep for like seven years at a time. Ooh, that sounds and, nice. Um, <laughs> And he would commit murders. He would, like, eat people's livers. And he could, like, stretch his body really thin so he can crawl through, like, really small spaces to get into, like, situations where no human could normally be found uh, in order okay. to clean Mr. victims. Mr. Fantastic, then? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, a little bit of Mr. Fantastic, a little bit of uh, a skin changer, I guess. Okay. A little, okay. A little bit of these different things. Um, but he was caught. And he was put in prison. And... Um, but because the charges were so outlandish, eventually, like I think he's one of the few characters in the series that got a recurring role because of it, because mm. he was played so well by the actor too. In real life, the actor turned out to be kind of a piece of crap, but he Fair enough. it really helped with the role. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I see it's probably going to be something like that because in within the show too, you know, it being the X Files, the first thing that they go with is the supernatural they say well there's been many reports throughout history about you know creatures that can do extraordinary things um and then you know it's the whole what we can't explain becomes magic but magic could just be science that we don't understand yet that kind of thing so i think we're gonna get something like that kind of Mm -hmm. a crossroads of something that is definitely what a lot of these supernatural folklore you know boogeymen are based on yeah and then it turns out, like, oh. It's but. an actual thing that you can kill and or. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to have, it's going to be like a recessive genetic marker that only like 0.001 of the population gets. Yeah. Something right. like that. Okay. But. That's interesting. One, one thing I forgot to mention that kind of bugged me was when Holly at the end was doing all the research on like El Coco and Baba Yaga and all that, Saturn and his children popped up. Yeah. And they focused on it because the image is very, it's a horrifying sort yeah. of image. But I was like, that myth doesn't fit. Like, get that out of here. Wrong like, myth. That's not, wrong myth. I, that just bugged me because I was like. But now I'm really He ate him sure. because he didn't want to be taken over. He didn't eat him because he just eats children. No, he. <laughs> well, myth. now here's my real question. If you Google <laughs> El Coco or Baba Yaga, does that pop up? Like, did they just use the real Google search? I just, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'll have to find out. I like, maybe, like, depends <laughs> on what you Google. Did she Google El Coco or did she Google child eaters? Well, like, that's what I'm curious. Try. Let's like, try. You Google El Coco, I'll, I'll Google okay. child eaters. El Coco. And John, do you want to Google, like, Baba Yaga or something? Yeah. I'll do I'll, I'll Google uh, Boogeyman. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I did get the, the first photo I popped up is the one with the cloaked figure. 
Okay. And the woman holding the children. And oh my God, that's creepy. And then a, a lot of other ones. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't get Saturn eating his children. Um, and then I get a photo of Holly from The Outsiders. <laughs> maybe the algorithm just knows me too well. It's giving me a bunch of movie posters. <laughs> <laughs> and like makeup special effect type stuff. Oh, but yeah, I got some of them right here. The book, the the one that she saw where it's like a man in a burlap sack with yeah. uh, standing over a mother with her two children. Yeah, that's the one I see a lot too. That one popped up right away. And then a bunch of other stuff that... Oh, man, I remember that horrible Boogeyman movie. Yeah, I got this one. This is... Oh, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, the One of the first ones. That's that's Kuko? El Kuko, yeah. I got... Uh, see, I did Children Eater Myths, and... Yeah, I did get a Saturn yeah. eating his child. Here's I've a- got Saturn <laughs> on Child Eater Demons. I got so. John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> so, clearly, clearly Google's algorithm is working to uh, specify based upon our past google searches but i do google oh my god somebody made a statue of that (laughs) in any case so i'm surprised i didn't get sexy (laughs) like okay if you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation about the outsider or if you have any predictions please reach out to us and let us know we're always interested john where can people find you online i am on twitter at magic bollocks Jessica, I'm on Twitter as JM Bailey writes, and you can find me on Geek Elite Media, and you can reach us all through Geek Elite Media Twitter at Geek Elite Media. It's also at Geek Elite Words are hard at Geek Elite Media on Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Email us at geeks at geekelitemedia.com and check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek geek out. This concludes our broadcast.